Hello and welcome back to the Holistically Awakened podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and your host of the Holistically Awakened podcast. This is your show to learn from me and inspiring experts on how to up-level in all aspects of your life, including health, wealth, relationships, spirituality, and business, so you can live your very best life as your highest potential. No BS policy, this podcast is about awakening to the truth and talking about what really needs to happen to make your life what you want it to be, whatever that may look like. Today we have a Q&A and we are going to be answering some of your questions that you guys wrote down um, last week. So apologies for the delay, we had some technical difficulties, but now we are back. (laughs) Um, And you can see our faces in a normal ratio because last week was, no, two weeks ago, it was a little bit faulty. So anyways, today we're gonna go through some of your questions. So the first one is a loaded one, but I think it's a good idea to get a perspective from, you know, different opinions about this. And specifically Dylan and myself have definitely dealt with like the dieting aspects of PCOS and how it can be very confusing and frustrating when we're looking at, you know, the different diets that are recommended for PCOS and like, don't eat this and eat that. So for me, there are some few foods that I recommend avoiding across the board. So like refined sugars, refined carbohydrates, inflammatory fats, like the omega-6 fats found in like the vegetable oils, like canola, corn, peanuts, safflower, um, basically junk food, processed foods, uh, artificial sweeteners, like the fake food pretty much. Um, but this is basically food that our body doesn't recognize and that's super inflammatory. So I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. It doesn't matter if you have PCOS or not. So this is kind of like the no go zone. That being said, I don't really like to say like, these foods are bad and these foods are good. And like, cause you can kind of internalize that and it can create this more disordered eating, um, rabbit hole which we've both gone down and that's (laughs) definitely not somewhere we want to go so for me it's more about looking at foods that make you feel good that nourish you and going away from foods that do the opposite and the more that we actually treat our bodies with respect and you know take care of it and we start feeling good the less we actually want to put those foods into our body so it doesn't really feel like restriction because you're actually doing things for you so it's more about a choice Um, But for me, I really emphasize on whole foods, first of all, like, is it a whole food? Is it in its form that it was found in nature, like a whole sweet potato, a banana, um, rice, um, all these sorts of things. Obviously, if you're eating animal products, like quality animal products, uh, but really looking away from the processing and, you know, these ultra processed foods, uh, these refined foods, whether it's, you know, these fats that we find in these oils or the flowers and things like that these are definitely going to create like a lot more inflammation and we really want to focus on reducing inflammation and balancing our blood sugar when it comes to pcos because these are big driving factors so for me again it's whole foods um more plant-based you don't have to go vegan obviously this is like your choice but for me i found that implementing more plant-based proteins has been very very beneficial and also with my clients Um, just to help reduce that inflammation as well as other factors too. Um, And for me, I also always look at, you know, what are my meals including? Are we looking at, you know, lots of fiber on our plate? Are we looking at quality protein and quality fat so we can keep our blood sugar stable? Um, 
but yeah, that's what I usually go by as a good starting point. And then it can also become more specific to you. Obviously, you might have certain food intolerances, allergies, sensitivities. Um, you might have specific uh, pre preferences like Dylan, she's vegan. Um, I'm more of like an omnivore, but more plant-based, but I also kind of change whether you know, I'm going through certain things in my life, or I'm feeling like my body is craving more of something. So it really depends on the person, but I would usually start there. What about you, Dylan? What are your thoughts on this question? Yeah, I completely agree. As far as the whole foods, that would be number one for me. And how I usually put it is like, we want food that has come, um, or is coming to us in its closest form um, to the, where it started from where it's the ground or the tree um so it's been minimally processed and so this is going to be like in the grocery store if you think about it it's kind of the outside um aisles as opposed to the middle aisles which are very processed and packaged in the middle and that means they're going to have all these other additives to make them last longer and our bodies don't do well with all those um those chemicals so that's where we see a lot of inflammation um gut problems so to stay on the outside of the grocery store can be like the first step and again that's for everyone that's not just pcos um and then also uh so at whole foods and then um i do i'm dairy free and i recommend it for everyone at least to try it um, some people are really surprised when they start reducing dairy, just what a big difference it makes, especially in their skin. I know for me, that was the biggest difference and it doesn't even take that long to see a difference with dairy. Um, and it can also be like the smallest amount that makes the difference. So, um, for dairy for sure. And then different intolerances, like some people just don't do well with gluten. So that might be something to try. Um, but overall it's going to be whole foods mostly plant-based so 80 to 90 percent plant-based is going to reduce um, as much inflama inflammation it's going to reduce our long-term risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease which are uh, super high in women with PCOS um, so yeah those are my little uh, where I would start with yeah 100 I also don't do dairy and I find such a big difference like crazy mm -hmm. So second question, I'll, I'll break out the next week, like a hundred percent. Yeah, me too. And specifically, yeah, digestion wise and acne. And it's funny because we can also, a lot of the time I also hear from women, like, I don't really think it bothers me, but then if we take it out for a month, this is usually what happens with most like mm -hmm. foods that you react to. If you take it out for at least a month and then you either take it back in or actually notice what you've noticed. A lot of women are like, actually, I don't have PMS or like my cycles are a lot better or things like that. So it's really interesting because sometimes we don't actually notice the subtle changes until we actually look back at it. Um, the other thing would be look at regulating your period. So obviously this is a big one for PCOS women, like getting irregular cycles. Um, but we have to remember that it's identified as the fifth vital sign. So it's really an indicator of your overall health, uh, which is why we really need to look at your health overall and actually to restore balance and have healthy cycles. Um, again, because it's not just like a symptom, it's, it's a message of underlying imbalances, right? So it should come at least every 35 days, usually between 21 and 35 is regarded as normal, um, but usually around the 28 days kind of like our aim, right? Um, but we really want to look deeper when it comes to irregular cycles. So for me, a lot of different factors that could be affecting this would be obviously inflammation, insulin resistance, 
chronic stress is a big one. Usually women don't really think about because we either brush it off or we don't think we're under stress, but when we kind of add it up, <laughs> our body is under stress. So, and that can definitely put your cycle out of whack. Um, also other things like lack of macronutrients. So if you're not eating enough or enough of the right things, if you have nutrient deficiencies, um, things like, you know, zinc, zinc is a big one. I usually see a lot of people have deficiencies with um, either like B vitamins as well. Um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. So this will again tie down to again, more of like the stress response. So like under eating, over exercising, chronic stress. Um, post pill, obviously as well, it also depends like specifically around the three month range after the pill, but also even longer than that, you could have effects from the pill. Um, what else? Things like even celiac disease could actually also affect your period or autoimmune disease. Hypothyroid is also one that I see so, so common with PCOS women and also affect our cycles. So low thyroid function is usually gonna be one of the most common forms of thyroid disease specifically Hashimoto's autoimmune. Um, and this is why I always recommend everybody do a full thyroid panel, this is not just TSH, um, but also looking at the antibodies and the different markers from the thyroid um, to make sure that your thyroid is functioning well. Um, but usually with PCOS, we tend to see this like high elevated LH chronically, uh, which can, also inhibit ovulation, right? So this is where usually we're going to see these high androgens that are affecting our ability to ovulate. And that's usually going to be coming down to this stress, inflammation, or insulin resistance. Those are usually like the three types and the three sort of driving factors. So that's where I usually want to like investigate further into that instead of just being like, well, this herb or this supplement helps regulate periods. So I'm just going to take that. Like that could help, but we need to look deeper as well in order for that to be restored because a lot of the time we can literally restore them with diet and lifestyle. And we don't always need to go towards like medications or herbs or supplements. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, also, when you just mentioned the herb part, we often think that herbs are just extra and we can just, you know, toss them in and then and see, you know, we'll just see an improvement or they might not work, but they could also do damage. Like if they're really as powerful as we would like them to be to heal PCOS, they can also do the opposite and make things worse. So there's a few in particular that um, depending on the individual, we can respond to like Vitex is a, is a common one that um, will studies will show depending on the type of PCOS, we can respond uh, quite differently. Um, and so that's why I don't recommend just getting a supplement that we see someone taking online, um, especially ordering it online, like on Amazon or something where we don't really know the distributor, we don't know the quality. Um, there's just, there's so many supplements out there that we really have to do a bit more research on before we start um, putting these things into our body um, because it could be just as harmful as the processed food that we're trying to avoid. Uh, so that was just a little bit on the supplement part. But as far as why period missing, I think you hit them all. I think under eating, not eating carbs, those are really big, um, especially with trends like keto and low carb. Um, really, we're trying to do the opposite. We're trying to nourish our bodies and, and get our cycles back. And then by taking away these really important macronutrients that we need to for our brains to function, for every cell in our body to function, we need carbohydrates. So it makes complete sense if we're not getting a period because we're not eating enough fuel or carbohydrates. So that's the first thing I, I kind of ask is like, well, how much are you eating? And 
if you know a caloric range and it's if it's you know a lot of women are eating at 1200 to 1500 calories which is really not enough for an adult grown woman that's like a, a child should be eating that much so um unfortunately that's what a lot of trainers and even nutritionists and dietitians will put people on these um really low carb low calorie diets so that's my biggest concern is like okay we you got to eat more and then and it has to be whole foods and if you eat more whole foods then there isn't much that can go wrong <laughs> so um that would be my number one as far as the period missing and then the stress factor stress is huge and like you said we don't often think about it because really every single one of us is in a state of chronic stress because our world is it's never been like this um and it's it's always like that we're always since uh you know we're when we're, be, we're becoming more civilized i guess or industrialized then we are being exposed to all sorts of environmental toxins that our bodies are never used to um new stressors um relationships that you know are not uh not good for us and um it can be all sorts of things that we don't think about or, or that doctors don't really address in the clinic like how your how's your relationship going like um those kind of things that are definitely factors uh in stress so yeah i don't get too if someone's period is missing right now i wouldn't be too concerned um obviously we can address it but it's not a freak out what's happening because it's quite understandable right now mm, yeah a lot of women will tell me like why is my pms worse or like why is my cycle weird and i'm just like COVID, <laughs> like this yeah. whole situation, like even yeah. if you don't feel you're directly affected, you are like, it's, it's going to affect us. And as you mentioned, we are all under this chronic state. We're basically in a fight or flight state. And if we're in that state, we can't repair or regenerate. And our body doesn't care about reproduction if it's in our fight or flight state, like it's mm -hmm. not important. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. And whether it's like, Maybe it's not COVID directly, but indirectly, if it's financial or, or just, or fear or worry about other people in your life, like those are all factors. Yep, 100%. So the next question would be about birth control. Yay or nay for PCOS? So for me, hormonal birth control is known now as an endocrine disruptor, which makes sense because it disrupts our normal hormones um, and it inhibits ovulation. So and it introduces synthetic hormones into the body. So it's not anything natural. Um, it can help to reduce androgens because it can help decrease the sex hormone binding globulin, increase a decrease LH. Um, but so the thing is, I definitely recognize that a lot of women use it to help manage their debilitating symptoms. So obviously that can help, but it's not a solution to PCOS. It's more of a band-aid and it can also worsen the underlying imbalances that are happening like um, inflammation, gut dysbiosis, insulin resistance, um, even, you know, stress on the endocrine system, things like that. Um, and so there is also a greater risk of things like depression, anxiety, oxidative stress, insulin resistance, as I mentioned, um, all of these sorts of things. And these things are already prevalent in PCOS women. So this is where it can actually make the situation worse, especially if you get off of it. A lot of women will be like, I'm scared of getting off of it, or I feel terrible now that I got off of it. I kind of want to go back on, but that's because also, if you've been taking it for a long time, it can, you know, cause all of these imbalances. Um, and then we just kind of need to restore that hormonal balance again by, you know, getting these hormones kickstarting and getting our whole system back into balance. So it can take time. Um, but this is where it's not really a solution. So, 
you know, if you are on it or off it or trying to get off of it, it's really important that you support yourself with, you know, the adequate nutrients, making sure that you can actually detoxify and get rid of these excess toxins and hormones. Um, gut health is going to be so important because it will be impacted. So we really want to focus on loving our gut. Um, and then obviously, you know, like a nourishing nutrition protocol. So making sure that's, you know, lots of vitamins and minerals, antioxidant rich, lots of phytonutrients, lots of fiber, um, healthy fats to nourish the endocrine system. So it's not like one answer to um, this question, but for me, again, it's not a solution, um, but it's really looking at, you know, what are the underlying imbalances here and let's focus on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we have a really similar stance on birth control. I, if we're, if someone's, you know, at that decision point, then that's actually a really good place to be because for a lot of people, like um, yourself and and myself, um, we were put on the birth control before we really knew what it was going to do or anything like that. So um, we didn't we didn't have informed consent. We couldn't go like we could go research, but there wasn't uh, it wasn't readily available. I was also sixteen, so I really trusted um, what the, what older you know male doctors were wanted me to do. So. Um, to be in that position where we get to choose right now can actually be really empowering. You can do your own research. You can talk to, um, you know, professionals like um, ourselves and and see what the choices are. And then weigh out your own the own your own risk factors, positives, benefits of going on, going off. Um, I have, I would suggest not because it isn't going to fix the long term um, effects of PCOS once you come off of it. Unless I mean, if you're planning to be on it your whole life, which is another thing, but I don't think people that is what the intention um, someone would have when they go on it is that this is for my whole life. Um, because when you do go off, then we're right back where we are and possibly in a worse position. So um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. I was personally on four birth control pills because everyone had terrible side effects, um, whether it was depression um, or like a 30 pound weight gain or just all these different side effects that the doctors again said were, was not the pill. Um, and that it was, it was just me. <laughs> um, and now, <laughs> like, no, you're just, that's your fault. Um, but now we have more research and, and big studies showing that, um, young girls that were placed on the pill, um, have higher rates of depression after coming off of it. So, so Specifically yeah, teenagers, the, the rates and the studies of depression, it's like mind boggling, scary. Yeah. And to think it's because we're not even done we're not even done developing. Um, and then we're, we're given endocrine disruptors. So our bodies aren't even given a chance to do our own thing um, before all this happens. And that's usually the case, right? You like, maybe we want, we want a birth control for birth control reasons. Mm -hmm. um, when we started becoming sexually active, then like, then it's the same thing. We're not even uh, fully, uh, fully developed. So yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because it does take a few years to actually develop the HPO axis and the communication between the brain and the ovaries, right? So if somebody is going on it, usually we go on it to regulate our period, quote unquote. Um, but specifically, if you go on it on an early age, then you've actually never established that communication. And then when you go off of it, could be like 10 years down the line, your body's mm -hmm. like, well, I never learned how to do this. So like, we can't be yeah. mad at it, right? Like it's, it kind of makes sense. So yeah, yeah, definitely something to take into account. Totally. And I think that's how I feel happened to me, um, along with under eating at that young age and dieting. 
Um, and then again, my body was just like, we don't know how to ovulate or have a period. So then it took me till I was 27 to have my own period, which like, yay, hell <laughs> happy me. But um, yeah. it, was, it was way too long and I don't want that for anyone. No. The next question would be about PCOS pelvic pain. So for me, and I think you agree, but <laughs> pelvic pain is usually associated with functional ovarian cysts. So usually when they become enlarged and it's not going to be characteristic of PCOS because with PCOS, it's more about these abnormal small, small cysts that look like this string of pearls on ultrasound. So these are the polycystic ovaries. And this is where the name is kind of annoying because you don't need to have them that PCOS, but they're also mm -hmm. basically not real cysts because they're basically ovarian follicles that are in partial development, not real cysts, and they didn't grow to a normal size and release an egg. So basically the process is stalled in PCOS, but usually pain is not going to be an associated symptom. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. Um, PCOS should not be painful physically, mentally, absolutely. It's very painful, but uh, physically, aside from periods, um, periods themselves can be heavy and more crampy, like cramp pain. But as far as this kind of pain that we're talking about in our pelvis, um, that's likely a completely different condition. And it sucks that the names are so similar. Um, and you could have both. Um, going on that's possible too but that yes ovarian cysts um, need to be addressed differently and so if you're having pain it's definitely time to go to a doctor and uh, to be able to get physically checked out um, because neither of us can do that online mm, yeah and then on ovulations kind of going back to the irregular cycles again um, again we want to look at why are you not ovulating we talked about this common reasons you know the stress inflammation thyroid dysfunction, um, even nutrient deficiencies, um, all of these sorts of things. Uh, we want to look into, you know, why is the body not ovulating? And we did kind of get into that. It's going to go into the, the same reasons as why is your cycle irregular, right? We just want to establish mm -hmm. ovulation again, and it's usually going to be the same factors. Um, and then when it comes to acne and skin issues, this is a loaded question because for myself, um, biggest symptom was bad cystic acne for about nine, eight years, something like that. Um, and honestly, I at one point almost lost all hope because I was doing everything right and nothing was working. And even dermatologists were like, you know, maybe you should clean your face or something like that. And I was like, seriously, what do you think I'm doing? Um, but yeah, it can be really um, emotionally difficult as well because it takes a big hit on your self-esteem. Um, so I 100% get it specifically with PCOS. It's going to be more of the cystic acne, which is definitely not a fun time. Uh, it's going to be more painful and more scarring. So for me, it's really going to be looking at certain factors. Obviously, there are so many different things, but inflammation is going to be definitely a driving factor. So you definitely want to start with diet like we talked about at the beginning. Um, insulin resistance definitely can also worsen this because it increases these androgens, which can increase sebum production. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about before with dairy, we have insulin growth factor, which is found in cow's milk. So dairy is commonly a trigger for various reasons, but also because of the insulin provoking effect that it has, um, as well as, you know, refined sugars and refined carbohydrates. Those would definitely be ones that I'd recommend taking out if you are dealing with acne or PCOS in general, um, but definitely been seeing like a big difference with that. Um, and then for me, honestly, gut health was everything. So really looking at 
getting rid of infections. So I had, you know, candida overgrowth, parasites multiple times, um, leaky gut, obviously the whole thing. And just, I was reacting to all the foods and it was really starting from the gut. So that's, you know, a whole other podcast or like video to talk about with gut healing. But I was really looking at, you know, getting rid of infections, going more plant-based anti-inflammatory and helping with those, you know, gut microbes to really flourish. Um, Anti-inflammatory diet as well as stress was a huge part, not only in healing my gut, but also because I'm more of an adrenal PCOS type. And obviously stress can just worsen all of the symptoms and lead to increased breakouts too. So stress management was also really big. So also toxins. So obviously I want to talk about that. I can't really talk about Obviously the internal is going to be really important, but then what we put on our face as well, there's a lot of toxic chemicals in these quote unquote um, skin clearing products and things like that, um, which can just add to these hormonal imbalances even further. So really important that you are aware of what you're putting on your skin as well, because that will you know go into the bloodstream. So just something that was also important, but for me, it was gut health, stress management were really, really important with my healing. Um, so those are going to be some top factors, I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. I would add water intake. Um, just increase your water intake. It's really amazing. Even a couple of days where we're slacking a bit on the water, um, not only can dry us out, but you start to see a difference. I know I, I just see kind of like a rougher complexion, um, especially around like my forehead. I might have more like bumpies they just call them it's not like a full breakout but it's just it's just it's there right so and then and I know I need to drink more water um and that's part of the you know helping the detox um process of our bodies naturally um have liver have organs to detox so the water will help that along um and then yeah um you mentioned the products like reducing environmental toxins and it's not it's not about um okay, like this product is making my acne worse or better, but it's going into our bodies and then it's affecting our hormones. So then it's not supporting the underlying uh, root cause, which is the hormonal imbalance and the insulin and the hyperandrogenism. Um, so that's where uh, using, there's a website called the Environmental Working Group and I can drop a link, but it's really great because it goes into every ingredient in a product and can kind of tell you like your risk, the risk factor of using this um, product. And you'll see that a lot of what um, dermatologists recommend, doctors re recommend, um, are actually really harmful for us. And there's a reason that they're so effective um, from the outside is because they're really harsh, in harsh chemicals and ingredients. Like if we think about cleaners in our house being effect really effective, like bleach and how awful that smells, like, yeah, there's a reason it's like so good at what it does. Mm. Um, it kills everything, but also yeah. the good stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, yeah, of course it sucks because we want a quick fix, but um, it's not in the long term. It might, it, maybe our skin will get better, but it will throw off other parts, uh, other things in our, that we're trying to do, like, you know, a regu have regular cycles or, um, or healthy, healthy hair that doesn't fall out. That's another one I question I get a lot is hair loss. Um, and that's, again, all these factors. There isn't going to be like this one su supplement that's going to make our hair uh, grow healthy and thick. Um, it's going to be all these things we're talking about, um, particularly ways we can reduce insulin and ways we can reduce androgens. Yeah, I love that you say that because it's kind of like, I kind of like to talk about it like there's a fire and we're putting water on the smoke, which is like the hair loss and the acne. 
but we're not actually looking at like where where's the fire right so that's like in my in my journey and what we do it's like we want to look at the like where is the fire starting so that the smoke can stop right so that's where also with me like with the um, the products you're talking about it's funny because when I was dealing with bad acne I was using so many products like my skincare routine would take like half an hour and now mm -hmm. I literally use maybe like I definitely probably should be using more like um estheticians would probably be like you need some more stuff but I literally use like one product now and I literally don't need anything because I've healed internally so I really don't I don't even spend that much money anymore on like topicals because it was never really a topical problem right for sure yeah yeah I think there's a there's a happy medium there's definitely too much um too much going on that that we are we're kind of putting on our skin again it's a band-aid solution um but then again if it feels good if we like our if it's if it's like a part of your day like for me if it's five minutes of my day where I get to take care of myself like it depends what if, it, if you're like oh I gotta do this versus like I get to mm. do this then then it's kind of a different um joy factor um but it 100%. wasn't until I turned 30 that I started to take care of my skin so yeah and it's something also for prevention right we want to mm -hmm. like help with over time just aging and just healthy skin and all of that so you definitely want to balance but for me it's more about internal and like the mm -hmm. external is a smaller factor versus yeah. when we're looking at conventional stuff it's mostly like the external is the big factor and then like the internal is like a very small focus so it's yeah. kind of the opposite that you need to focus on and it's just the long-term effects right but yeah, yeah i've definitely know. had dermatologists tell me that my diet didn't matter that certain things didn't matter and i could tell like i've done elimination processes where i've gone certain weeks and then put it back in and i can see the difference and then I also know the research. So it's just like, I, yeah. I know that this, like, if you're, if you're telling me that, then I don't, it's really hard to trust whatever else they're going to tell me, like what products I should use. Yeah. And with anything, if somebody says that diet doesn't make a difference, it's like, that's literally becoming you, you know? So, yeah. and again, you literally just have to eat something like, for instance, I'll go out and eat like junk food and then the next day I'm like, yeah, I can feel it versus if I'm like eating healthy, like my, my life has changed. Right. So yeah. it's obvious. It's very obvious. <laughs> yeah. I think we can all feel that or like the full feeling on the couch after like a really big meal or really, or something that wasn't, didn't like sit right. And you just kind of want to like lie down and like crash mm. that kind of feeling versus like, okay, like let's go for a hike. Like that energizing feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, once you feel that and it just, it's hard to it's hard to go back to the those those uh couch causing meals <laughs> yeah we don't want to feel like that so it's empowering yeah. to be like okay i gotta make the good choices because that actually makes me feel good right and then we both have lots and lots of recipes that can actually use these whole foods into meals that are actually like yummy and that are enticing because i think mm -hmm. a lot of us are like well whole foods are boring but you they don't have to be right i think that's just like a misconception out there Totally. Yeah. And again, really empowering because so say you did think it was boring or say your partner thinks it's boring or your kids, and then you can actually maybe change their minds about it. And that's a pretty cool feeling because then you, you did something for their health, for your health, and they're enjoying it. So kind of like shifting, um, shifting perceptions a bit can be fun. 100%.
Well, we got through all the questions. I don't see any new ones, but um, yeah, we'll be doing these regularly. So just to kind of, you know, answer some of your questions. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in and we'll get some more going in the next few weeks. Sounds good. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I hope you loved it. I hope it gave you some insight and that you learned something and just want to let you know if you aren't in our Facebook group already, Dylan and I have a holistic PCOS Facebook group. It's a private community, a safe space to share your struggles, your wins, your questions. And we do show up there and share a lot of resources and we do live videos and things like that. So head on over. The link is in our, in the show notes for the podcast. We'd love to have you. And if you are interested in submitting a question and you'd like to hear from us, you'd like us to address something, don't hesitate to reach out my contact information and our contact information is in the show notes as well, or you can always post in our PCOS group. And a reminder, if you do enjoy the podcast, I always appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It's super simple to do. Google it if you don't know, but um, it takes about 30 seconds and it really does help me reach more people to spread this message. And if you do know of anybody who has PCOS or any of the issues like hormone issues or things like that, that we talk about on the podcast, please don't hesitate to share. Uh, we would love to really help more people understand the holistic ways of managing PCOS and that we don't have to suffer with all these symptoms. We can actually heal and feel really good in our bodies. And that's really my message on this podcast that we can really take a holistic approach without having to suffer anymore. And we can really live the life that we're really envisioning and be our happiest self.